Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's Que Golazo Time Weekend Preview. We have Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad to break down the Premier League FA Cup action. Manchester United against Liverpool, Southampton against Arsenal. We also go to the Bundesliga as Mönchengladbach face Borussia Dortmund. Schalke face Bayern Munich. We also go to Italy, AC Milan against Atalanta. Games in La Liga and so much more. Que Golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Golazo, our weekend preview. So much action, so I brought in the big guns, obviously. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, bud? Uh, yeah, I am excited to be here today. One of my, my players that I coach, because I help, I have a side hustle, coaching the USL League 2 team, fourth division here in the States. Uh, he's, inter- he's entered into the MLS Super Draft today, and he could go in the top 10. So I'm very excited to see what happens for him. And of course, we got some big games this weekend to talk about. That's great. What's his name? Uh, N- Nabi uh, Kimbuchi. It's not the, I'm not the best at saying, as you guys know, pronouncing names, but Kimbuchi. Kimbuchi. God, I can't say it. We just call him the B. And uh, he should go in the top 10 for sure. Lots of teams are looking at him. Uh, I suspect that um, he could end up at Atlanta. And maybe he shouldn't go there because they're a bit of a dumpster fire at the moment. But we'll see. You know, that's American sports. You get drafted and you have to go where you have to go. Absolutely. Well, we wish Nabi the absolute best. Uh, as you may be listening to this, maybe it's already happened, but congrats and let's see what happens. Here's to the future for Nabi. Absolutely. And of course, we have Jimmy on one side and Jonathan Johnson. JJ, what's up, man? Hey there, guys. Very good. Great to be on with you as always. How are you both doing? We're good. We're good. Jimmy, you're good, right? I'm solid. Uh, he's solid. I'm solid. <laughs> the weekend preview is solid. There's a lot of action, everybody, and we're going to get straight into it. And Jimmy, let's begin in England. Uh, there's uh, FA Cup action, but also one Premier League match as well. What do you have for us? Let's begin, obviously, with the big one. I think Manchester United as a face Liverpool in the FA Cup. Well, I think what we've learned uh, about Ole Gunnar managing Manchester United is that he likes to lose in the semifinals of competitions. And this is only the fourth round, everybody, you know? So I feel like Manchester United, based on this logic, should win this game. They should be the favorites. They're hosting this one, of course. They're coming off a 0-0 draw at Anfield last weekend, where they did enough to maybe steal all three points. So something to take into consideration. Also, Jurgen Klopp isn't that great in this competition. Uh, He's lost in round three once. He's lost in round four, which is where they are now, twice. Uh, he's exited at the fifth round stage last term. Um, he's also lost to Plymouth and Shrewsbury. And, and they haven't won this competition, Liverpool, since 2006. That was a great final, by the way. 3-3 West Ham. They won it in penalties. If you guys want to see the highlights of that, I highly encourage you guys doing that. Anyway, I like United to win. I just don't know if it's going to be in regulation. After 90 minutes, it's plus 155 on William Hill. Those are the odds there. Or, or it's going to be 2-1, so both teams scored. Maybe that. I, I could kind of see... Penalties, honestly, this is going to go 0-0 or going to be a draw through 90 minutes. 
That's plus 255. And then if you guys, I love this value a lot, plus 500 if the game goes to penalties. doesn't matter who wins. The game just has to go to penalties, plus 500. So if you hit both of those, you can write me a thank you card afterwards. But, but there is something about these two teams and where they currently are. Obviously, Liverpool haven't scored in a while. I think they're due to score, but Manchester United pretty stout defensively. Really interesting affair. I'm kind of curious on your guys' thoughts. Yeah, JJ, well, obviously, as we're taping, uh, it's before Liverpool face Burnley, so we don't know exactly in terms of injuries or who's fit, but you would imagine there'll, there'll be a little bit of tinkering, but not too much. I, I wonder how Jurgen Klopp will use this one, JJ. How do, you, how do you see that one? I don't think that he can take too many risks at this moment in time when we've spoken so much, uh, you know, since the injury to Virgil van Dijk about Liverpool's defensive issues. Three of their last five matches, they failed to score. So, you know, I'd say that they've got just as many problems going forward as they have at the back. Uh, and I think that, OK, on paper, you know, Burnley at home is a, is a game you'd expect Liverpool to be sticking in a couple of goals. But if they don't, you know, then they're then coming into that United match again, having failed to score. That'll be four out of six matches, uh, you know, without finding the back of the net. Uh, and suddenly, you know, under pressure to sort of win a game that's at this stage of the FA Cup is you know, not as meaningful as it would have been in the league a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm curious to see how Klopp solves this, this problem of, of them suddenly not scoring goals because this is an issue that we've never really seen for the Reds uh, under Jurgen Klopp's leadership. Uh, and suddenly he's now got issues at both ends of the pitch, which I find, you know, quite an interesting poser for him to have to figure out. Yeah, and you know what? Since December 19th, I think it was when they destroyed Crystal Palace, they haven't won a game yet, aside from obviously beating Villa Kids, like, you know, in the FA Cup. But in 2000... We're, 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 not, we're not counting that. We're not I even counting that. Exactly. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. We, 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 came, we came out with a moral victory. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, listen, if you're a Liverpool fan, like, you should definitely not count that in terms of progress. At the moment, since, being, since destroying Crystal Palace, they haven't won a game in the league. And now the FA Cup, of course, uh, facing Manchester United. All right, Jimmy, what was your final prediction on this one? Yeah, I'm going to stick with what I saw. You know, I was going through really good value. I think the game will go to penalties. I think it will be tight. There is some silver lining, though, and I could see, given that Jurgen Klopp's track record in this competition really shows that he doesn't really care about it all that much. If they get through, fine, but if they don't, whatever. And I think the silver lining, if either one of these clubs gets knocked out, is that they don't have to worry about these midweek games anymore. And if you're going to get knocked out, why not now? Why, why suffer all the way through another three, four to get to the semifinals, to the final, and maybe not win it? Let's just get out of it now, concentrate on the, maybe the competitions that matter more to the club, Champions League, the league itself. So... I don't know. With that in mind, I could see Man United taking this a little bit more serious than Liverpool, but but I could see a draw. I mean, it's obviously two big rivals. They're going to be fighting it out. Uh, I, I say penalties. Manchester United wins in penalties. All right, JJ. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, uh, but I'm going to say that United go one better than their league game, and I'm going to say they actually win. So I'm going to go for a one-nil United victory. I don't think that the spectacle is going to be that much better than the recent league offering, but. Uh, uh, I, I do agree with Jimmy. It'll be tight, but I think United will just shade it. Maybe maybe another Pogba stunner, fingers crossed. Ooh, nice. <laughs> you never, never know. All right, I'm going to go with Jimmy here. I think it's going to go all the way to penalties, and United will take it. Now, remember, everybody, we're talking this before their game against Burnley. We, you know, Take that what you will. Uh, anything else in the tournament, Jimmy, for this weekend? I like Southampton versus Arsenal, frankly. I think that's a really good matchup between two teams that have shown glimpses of being very good. Uh, Arsenal are obviously uh, unbeaten in their last six matches, and they have five clean sheets in a row. 
that is something, you know, I think the, the Arsenal defense has been ridiculed for, for many seasons now and for rightfully so, especially on defending set pieces where more it's just a lack of concentration and anything to do with talent. So I feel like they've found their form in recent weeks. Southampton really kind of live and die with Danny Ings. He's only played 14 times this season. He scored seven goals. There's a lot of transfer talk around him. Spurs have already expressed interest. Jose Mourinho has come out and said that. I think he'd be a nice fit for a lot. He has come out and said that he wants to play in the Champions League next season if he does end up making a move. So I don't know, I because I, I hear Arsenal linked to him. He's not going to go to Arsenal if he wants to get in the Champions League, you know? So, so <laughs> I mean, there's just like these couple things he has to take into consideration, you know? So what's his mindset right now if he plays? He he's, has been hurt due to COVID. I don't know if he's going to be released. I think he's been tested negative. So Danny Ings for me is a real X factor with regard to how to see this game because if he comes in it opens up space for Che Adams as well if Che Adams, che Adams is the only guy up top when he gets focused on by those center backs from opposing teams he just doesn't create in the same way so Danny Ings is very important uh, to their team with all that said I, I think Arsenal find a way to somehow wiggle their way into getting into results I could see another draw through 90 minutes and then Arsenal doing something an extra time like they did against Newcastle but this Southampton team has been very stout defensively I could I could see a 0-0 honestly I hate saying that because I'm all about goals but a 0-0 draw after 90 minutes exactly is plus 850. On William Hill, the favorite scoreline is 1-1 at plus 450 after 90 minutes. I, I could see a draw for sure. I hate saying draws, so not all the time. I don't hate saying draws, but it feels very safe straddling that fence. Uh, yeah, I, think well, I think Arsenal win an extra time again because this is just what they do in this competition. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I agree. And I think with Arsenal's, uh, you know, recent good uh, form, especially defensively, you could definitely see that against a Southampton side. And hey, Hassan Hotel said it. Listen, asked about Inks. Life must go on with or without him. And I like that about that manager because he really thinks as a squad. He doesn't just focus about one player. JJ, Southampton Arsenal, a good game, definitely uh, for the neutral. Hopefully, definitely from a te uh, technical perspective, a lot of talented players, a lot of grit here. Uh, Arsenal obviously looking to defend their FA Cup title. Southampton looking to go further on. How do you see this one? Yeah, very excited about the game, but I'm going to be a bore and uh, just stick with the Danny Ings chat for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. It, it really interests me that Arsenal interest in Ings, because when you cast your mind back a couple of years ago, Arsenal were linked with a bid for Jamie Vardy. They wanted to bring him in. Vardy ended up staying at Leicester. But there were a lot of people who said or questioned themselves at that time and, and, and wondered if Jamie Vardy would continue to score goals in the same way that he was doing. You know, would he continue to be an England international or were Arsenal about to pay big money for somebody who was about to, you know, completely drop off in terms of form? <laughs> and now we see Jamie Vardy still banging in the goals. Now, Ings is in a similar vein to Jamie Vardy, not quite as prolific, uh, but strikes me as the kind of guy that. You know, he, he's a similar kind of gamble. And I wonder if Arsenal will be haunted by their past decision against really pushing to sign Vardy and end up trying to go all in for, for Ings, especially if their form continues and that pushes them up into contention uh, for the Champions League towards the, the end of the season, because it's quite open at the moment, that field in terms of the European qualification positions. And as much as I think that Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League was laughable a couple of weeks ago, the way that they're stringing a bit of form together now makes it less uh, of a... Of, of a of a, of a silly bet than it would have been, say, a, a month ago. But in terms of the game, I'm very interested to see how it pans out. You know, we've seen Haas and Huttle, uh, you know, do some great things with this Southampton side uh, in, uh, in in recent weeks. Uh, you know, we saw him getting the better of Jurgen Klopp and, uh, you know, all the tears and the emotion uh, attached to that. 
I don't think it will necessarily generate the same meaning uh, in, in this FA Cup game so early on in the competition. But both sides you know, will fancy this as potentially winnable silverware. I mean, you look at the, the way that Southampton play uh, against some of the, the, the bigger sides, you know, they, they can hold their own. And I would fancy them, uh, you know, making a deep run if they can get past Arsenal. But, uh, you know, like Jimmy said, uh, you know, Arsenal also have this habit of, you know, sort of worming their way into into the next round in games like this. And I also wouldn't be surprised if it was quite tight and then they ended up advancing in similar circumstances to the way that they did against Newcastle. But for me, I, I think I'm going to have to back Southampton to, to get through here. Home advantage, perhaps a Ward Prowse uh, set piece special to, to get them through. This is also the Theo Walcott Cup, right? Started at Southampton, right. went to Arsenal, coming back to Southampton. So you never know what could happen. Jimmy, what's your final prediction on this one? I'm going to say a draw after 90 minutes. The value there is plus 240. I like that a lot. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that, that JJ said, Southampton, and, and to you guys' points, they've lost players before. You know, Van Dyke, Leverin, Lalana, to name a few. Ricky Lambert, if you guys remember him, that's a throwback. Oh, right, you yeah. know, and, and they've, they've still continued to push on and, and be you know, Southampton and still find new players to step up and, and uh, produce. Uh, it just depends for me. Ings is such a talisman for, for Southampton. A lot of things run through him. And I think he brings a different type of energy to the team. If he doesn't play, I, I just think it's going to be harder for Southampton who haven't scored very many goals lately either. So I could see a draw. I'm going to see, so say the draw. I think that's the safe bet plus 240 after 90. And then after that, I think Arsenal still wins an extra time or penalties, but, but I think the safe play here is the draw. Yeah, I think both teams will score, but I see uh, Southampton winning this one. Just 2-1 in regular time. We'll see what happens. All right, there's also a Premier League game. as Aston Villa uh, face Newcastle on Saturday. And this is going to be a very uh, tricky one to discuss. Let's remove our hearts for a sec. <laughs> and Jimmy, my, what do you have for us here? My, I mean, my, heart, my heart is dead, Luis. My heart is dead. I'm a Newcastle supporter and it's dead. It's been... It's been stomped on and buried. It sucks to be a Newcastle supporter. Let's come out and say it. And I don't really see there's much to talk about here. I was ready to move on to the rest of Europe because there's just nothing exciting. Anytime I watch Newcastle play, I think I've already expressed it here multiple times. There's no joy in the players. They don't look like they're having fun. And if you're not having fun as a player and there's nothing that you're getting out of the game that excites you, and when you put on the jersey, there's something about it. Of course, you have pride for wearing the Newcastle jersey, but what else is there? Uh, it's just going to be a miserable experience. And that's what it looks like. It, it doesn't look like a good time. And, and I don't think that's all on Steve Bruce, but he's not helping that, the, uh, helping that move along in a positive way. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it other than uh, congratulations to Aston Villa for getting all three points this weekend. Well, you say that, but JJ and I both well know that if there's one team you want to face to just pick yourself up once again is Villa. It, it really historically <laughs> is the case. And I really would not be surprised at all if Newcastle gets something out of this game. JJ, how do you see this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wary about it as well. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by the way we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Manchester City in midweek after the COVID explosion. Uh, you know, they the, the players didn't look as if they drew that much of a beat. I mean, okay, they did lose a bit of gas sort of after the hour mark. But defensively, uh, you know, they were very disciplined. Uh, and, you know, I, I, think it, I think it bodes well moving forwards uh, because fitness-wise, they're not as far off uh, as we perhaps feared they might be. Uh, you know, after that COVID outbreak. So for me, I I am wary of Villa dropping points at home against lower ranked opposition. We saw it happen with Brighton earlier this season, notably Burnley as well, uh, held Villa goalless at Villa Park. Villa are just better away from home this season. It, it seems to suit the, the players' style of play more. 
uh, it, it's it's kind of uh, similar to, to Leicester, where Leicester are better on the road as well and they've hardly won at home. So for me, I think that there is that that threat uh, of Newcastle being able to pick uh, pick something up. But I think one of the reasons why Villa was so poor um, at home against lower-ranked opposition earlier in the season was because you know they had the likes of Jack Grealish going away on international break. So they, like everyone else, had a lot of players being run into the ground. We've now just come off of a period where the players have been able to rest up a lot. And although in terms of match fitness, uh, that's a bit of a disadvantage, the deeper you go into the 90 minutes, that's also an advantage in terms of, you know, the, the, the amount of time it takes for the players to bounce back after a game and be ready for the next one. So I think this is a massive game for Villa to take three points in order to relaunch uh, the European aspirations with a couple of games in hand against teams who are in and around the same position in the table. Yeah, well, three games in hand to Arsenal at this point. And uh, to your point, they do better away from home. But one of the things about Villa this season is that, you know, this these are now games that Villa should be winning, especially uh, against the Newcastle side uh, by Steve Bruce, who we know too well. I feel Newcastle will hold them, try and hold. There's, no, there's nothing new that you'll try and get from Steve Bruce. You know what you're getting with Steve Bruce. He's going to sit back, you know, try and clear it. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And Aston Villa will just try and break them down. So I see an Aston Villa win here just about probably maybe two nothing until the latter stages of the game. Uh, Jimmy, what's your exact prediction? You gave three points to Villa. What's the scoreline? Yeah. I say two zero. Uh, maybe, maybe Callum Wilson gets one and I'd be happy with that. He's my fantasy team, but you know, outside of that, I just don't see it. I mean, I, Aston Villa, despite all the things that you're talking about, still have an identity. Dean Smith has done a very good job of forging an identity with identity with this team. Sure, it doesn't come off every single game, but when it does, it, it, it comes off well. Newcastle, their identity is let's just put all 11 people behind the ball and everybody just do, do their own thing when they get it going forward. Now, if Alain San-Maximin plays... He, and he might, even though he's doubtful, there's a possibility that at least creates some type of an X factor where it could unbalance uh, Aston Villa a little bit. But again, he's just, he hasn't played in quite some time, so I don't expect him to be too sharp and get match fit. So, I, I, yeah, I, I say 2-0 Aston Villa. JJ, what's your exact prediction? I'm going to say 2-1 Villa. Uh, and I'm glad that Jimmy brought up Callum Wilson because that's typical of something that would happen to Villa, a player that they go for, who chooses to join the other club and then scores against Villa when a former Villa manager comes back to Villa Park. So I, I can see the Wilson, uh, the Wilson thing coming back to haunt Villa a little bit, but I do think that we'll do just about enough. Uh, as Jimmy said, you know, it is still obvious that the players are playing uh, to Smith's identity, which is, you know, very positive. Uh, it, and it's, it's just, it's good being a, a Villa fan right now. You know, you can be positive about the team. Uh, you know, you, people are coming up to you and saying, well, not necessarily coming up to you in, the, in this current circumstances, but saying to you I don't, via Twitter or whatever, you know, how, how much they enjoy watching Villa. And that's quite refreshing. So, you know, I'd love to, to see us, you know, serve up a reminder of why people are enjoying watching us as neutrals favorites this season uh, by picking up all three points. So I'm going to say 2-1. There you, there you go. 2-1. All right. When we come back, we'll do the rest of Europe, including some really good games in the Bundesliga and, of course, Serie A. Stay Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner, from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, 
ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Right here. Welcome back, everybody, to Get Go Lasso, our weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson. All right, we're going around Europe now. Some really big games. Jimmy, let's begin in Germany. Some interesting games in the Bundesliga. What do you have for us? Yeah, I'm really loving uh, Friday's fixture, Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Borussia Dortmund, the Borussia Derby. Uh, both of these clubs faced each other earlier in the season. Dortmund won 3-0. Holland had two goals in that one. Gio Reyna had a goal as well. I think they're maybe a little bit different form at the current moment. Uh, Mönchengladbach has been pretty up and down, I'd say, domestically. Obviously, pretty good in the Champions League. Got to the first knockout rounds in their history. So, congratulations again to them. But they're without Taram still. Uh, Mbolo, Briel Mbolo is going to be out as well. So, that's going to hurt Gladbach a little bit in terms of their options and a little bit of a diversity in their attack. Makes that uh, a little bit harder on Alisson Playa to, to really step up and carry the team. Obviously, Lars Stindl and there's others that can do the job. But, but uh, without Mbolo and Taram, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And then with this Dortmund team, I just don't know. You know, they, they had a comprehensive performance against RB Leipzig in Leipzig 3-1. They were so good in that. And then the next next match day, they play Mainz, who's on the bottom of the table, and it's 1-1. And then they just played Bayer Leverkusen, and they lost 2-1. And the goals they gave up to Bayer Leverkusen are just, I can't, as a former defender, guys, I just, it's a straight ball for a run that's, <clears throat> excuse me, coming off the, the shoulder. Like, it's just, it shouldn't happen at this level is essentially what I want to get to. And, and it continues to happen to Dortmund. And now with Tursic, you know, managing, he's the interim manager. He's taken what, um, excuse me, uh, Lucien Favre ha- had had in place in terms of their pressuring system, but just gone maybe 20, 30 yards up higher up the field. And that is allowing them to be get exposed a little bit defensively. We see what we see with Bayern Munich for whatever reason, almost every single game, they're taking these risks and now teams are getting comfortable playing out of the high press. And then just like hit that straight long ball and make a good time run and we're in. And that's what we saw with door. I don't know. It's really frustrating. So they just got to figure out kind of where their line of confrontation is. I know I'm getting soccer nerdy here and where they want to win the ball without necessarily allowing their, their center backs to get exposed or get into a foot race. Bayer, Bayer, excuse me, Borussia Mönchengladbach are very good at that foot race stuff. They've proven it against some top competition this season, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, to name a couple. I like this one. I don't know. I, I mean, you've got Holland in your team. You always have a chance, in my opinion. I see a draw. I'm going to draw City again. <laughs> I don't know what it is because I just feel like, ah, but, but Mönchengladbach at home, I could see 2-1 here. Dortmund falling down the table a little bit. Uh, everybody's expecting more from them given their talent, but, but I don't know. Something's a little off there at the moment. Yeah, and uh, JJ Gladbach need to, you know, pick up some points to just, you know, uh, climb up the table because they're they're not exactly where they want to be as well as Dortmund. How do you see this one? Yeah, I think this is a big opportunity for Mönchengladbach. I mean, let's cast our minds back a couple of weeks. Mönchengladbach beat Bayern uh, at home, and I, I I think the 
they're capable of producing that kind of performance again uh, against Dortmund. It's, it's almost like Mönchengladbach are actually made now for the bigger matches and the, the the games that they struggle in and the games you'd expect them to win against sort of middle to middle of the table to bottom half of the table teams. Uh, so, you know, I think that, you know, we are primed for Mönchengladbach to pick up three points to Jimmy's point about Dortmund. Uh, you know, I think if Dortmund take one or two of their chances uh, in that match against Leverkusen, it would have been a different story, particularly the Jadon Sancho uh, opportunity. But I completely agree with him. It's almost as if, uh, you know, Lucien Favre is still there, you know. And to be honest, I don't, I don't really see what Dortmund could have expected, uh, you know, just replacing Favre with his with his, with his assistant coach. Uh, you know, the methods, the, the tactical outlook was never going to change massively. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that they're still producing the same kind of standard fare uh, that they've been producing uh, all season. And it's, you know, it, it is proving costly at this moment in time uh, for them in terms of their, their title hopes and potentially Champions League qualification as well. So for me, I'm, I'm thinking that Mönchengladbach can, uh, uh, can pull this off, get the win. Uh, I, I think they could probably do it quite convincingly as well. I'd say a 2-0 or a, a 3-1. I mean, I think it is encouraging for Dortmund that they've got somebody like Zagadou back on the pitch, but how long it's going to be until he's actually fit and in full form uh, you know and, and able to sort of string matches together we'll have to wait and see but I think he makes a big difference uh, to that Dortmund backline and makes it a bit less shaky uh, but for me this weekend I, I can only see uh, Mönchengladbach coming out on top in this Borussia derby even without Toram and Brilin Bolo, they're they're pretty good enough to do this. Yeah, but I mean, you look at you look at the players that they have. Lars Stindl is criminally underrated. He's very very good. Uh, Jonas Hoffman as well is a player that I have a lot of time for. Alessandro Player, when he wants to, uh, you know, can be a great player. He's he's he still has issues with his consistency and he's been kind of unlucky over the last couple of weeks where he's been kind of ruled out of of matches at the last moment. But there is a lot of quality there and it, it just seems to come to the fore in the bigger games. I mean, perhaps they've been more excited coming into their Champions League matchups this season than they have domestically because we've seen them produce some fantastic performances. Look at the double header against Shakhtar. Uh, you know, look at the way that they took it to Real Madrid as well at the beginning of the group stage. You know, they, they absolutely merit that place in the latter stages of the Champions League but they kind of have taken their eye off the ball domestically a bit and they need to get it back on there now. They've showed that they're capable of doing that against Bayern, but Bayern is a Champions League calibre match, as is Dortmund, which is why I expect Mönchengladbach to, you know, to really take the game to them uh, and win this one on Friday. Yeah, Jimmy, a little more on uh, Schalke Bayern, I guess. Schalke, bottom of the table, the worst defensive record in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich, who don't look perfect, but they are Bayern Munich. Uh, you would expect three points here from the Bavarians? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they might even give up an early goal to our American, our new American Lord and Savior, Matthew Hoppy, who has scored in three straight Bundesliga games. So this guy's coming out of nowhere. Great story. And there's a, a lot being written about him online, uh, including our own very CB, our very own CBSSports.com. I mean, this kid is under 19 and, and I want to see him now. Right. It's one thing to do it against maybe an Eintracht or or, uh, you know, one of those teams. But to do it against Bayern Munich uh, would be something very special. So we'll see if he can keep his good form going. That's really the only angle I'm looking in this one, because uh, I do think that Bayern Munich should should <laughs> decimate Schalke in a lot of different ways. All right. So final score predictions for both games. Uh, Gladbach Dortmund. You have a Gladbach win. JJ, what's your score there? Uh, I'm going to say... 3-1. I'm being hopeful. I, I think the, the Gladbach will win by two goals. All right. And Schalke, Bayern? Nil-4, nil Bayern. Nil-4. So, I'll say really quick. 
I went to I went to uh, Schalke uh, Bayern Munich game at the Allianz three or four seasons ago, and it was four zero after thirty minutes. Bayern were up, and Manuel Neuer still hadn't touched the ball the first thirty minutes. <laughs> I was like, "What is even happening?" You know. So maybe that was the downfall of Schalke. That was like the beginning of it. So so yeah, I don't give uh, Schalke no matter where they're playing that game much of a, much of a chance. I do want to say that Borussia Mönchengladbach for all you people that are into the gambling stuff and you got that itch. The match result and both teams have scored. If both teams score and Gladbach win, it's plus 350. The draw is plus 285. And Dortmund is winning uh, straight up plus 255. So they're actually the favorites in this one. I don't see them getting uh, getting a, or not getting shut out. I, I think that there's too much firepower. You got Erling Holland in your team with Dortmund. I know that JJ said 2-0. Like, no way. This Dortmund team will find a way to score. But Munch and Gladbach are something special. I do want to say, though, they have spurned. 18 points from winning positions in the league this season, Bruce Munch and Gladbach. So they are very good at getting leads, but not holding on to them. So we'll see if that impacts it. But I want to let you guys know that line because I think both teams are going to score. And then whatever your heart's telling you to choose, you should go for it. Well, that first line, I think, is the winner right there. Gladbach to win and both teams to score just yeah. to the points that you just mentioned. All right. Did you give me your final prediction, score predictions on both games? I, I didn't. I'll say 3-2 Gladbach and... <laughs> I'll say 4-1 Bayern Munich, and I'm hoping that Matthew Hoppy scores again for Schalke. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's go with a 2-1 Gladbach and Bayern Munich just 5-1. Let's give Hoppy a goal. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go now to uh, the rest of Europe, Jimmy. Italy or Spain, where do you want to go? I'll go Italy first because I think there's a really intriguing one there. AC Milan taking on Atalanta. Uh, the straight-up lines there, Milan to win straight up is plus 165. The draw is plus 275. Atalanta to win. In Milan is plus 145. They are actually the bookies' favorite to win, which I find very interesting, sure. especially because Zlatan is back in the team for Milan. Uh, the, I think the reason why, though, is that the, the captain for, for Milan, Romanoli, is out due to yellow card accumulation. Theo Hernandez, one of the better, uh, definitely the, one of the best left, left uh, attacking left backs in the world. Uh, he's out. Uh, Hakan Chahanalu is out as well due to COVID. Oh. And uh, they just added Mandzukic as well. I don't think he's going to play. You know, he's going to maybe come on as a super sub. So the squad is maybe not as balanced as usual, but they've dealt with that pretty well throughout the season. So I was pretty surprised that Adelanta are the favorites, but they don't have really any issues. In streak of 12 games, even though they've had two kind of shaky draws the last two. Joseph Ilicic, the 32-year-old, he's the guy. When he plays and pulls the strings and he has influence, they win. Then the offense clicks. But when he is maybe crowded around and, and not getting the space that he normally can find, then it's harder for, for Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel up top to, to find space to score and really kind of flow and transition in a way that we know Atalanta can. And I think Milan will be aware of that. So it's really going to be Ilicic versus the Milan midfield that I think that determine this game in a lot of different ways. I'm going to maybe stay away from that. Zlatan to score anytime plus 100, I think is really good value. The guy always steps up in big games. He knows this is a big one. If they really want to continue to hold off Inter Milan and Juve, who are still hanging around, and any other teams that want to challenge for the Scudetto, they have to win games like this. So I like that Zlatan plus 100 to score anytime. I'm very surprised that Atalanta is the favorite. In this I agree, game. man. It's uh, crazy. Very, very weird. JJ, how, how do you see this game? Mario Mansukic back. Uh, I love that. Uh, what, what do you see in this game? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm interested to see whether Mandzukic reprises that strange sort of target man out wide role that we've seen him play over the years and how that might work for, for AC Milan. I guess we'll see once they once they need their greater strength and depth, which they're, you know, they're trying to add to this month in the transfer window. I think the, the thing that I'm most curious about this weekend is there always seems to be a title contender in Italy that drops points and Inter Milan are on the road at Udinese. And Udinese largely 
uh, you know, over the course of, of 2020, had a very, very good, very tight defence. And they've been able to shut out teams. And I think that this is an opportunity for AC Milan, if they can get the win at home, uh, to potentially, you know, make uh, a, a proper gap between them and Inter uh, at the top of the table uh, and, and really set themselves up, uh, you know, for this, for this title bid. Because it looked like they might have blown it a couple of weeks ago when they lost at home to Juve. But now we've seen Inter, uh, you know, basically putting Juve out of the title race because I don't think that they're going to be able to, to get themselves back into it. Uh, and for me, this is a, this is a big opportunity for, for Milan to put some daylight between them and their city rivals. Interesting. What's your final result on that one? I am going to go 3-2 AC against Atalanta. Ooh, high-scoring game. Jimmy, did you give me your score? I, always I, I didn't. I was, I was refusing to give it to you. I will say, <laughs> I think this one could prove to be a little tighter. Uh, I'll say 2-1 Milan. I, I think when you have somebody like Zlatan in your team, who's a notorious for being a game winner and, and elevating your team, especially in big games, uh, I'll go with them, Milan, 2-1. Yeah, I don't see Atalanta winning this. Uh, Milan has only lost once, but... There's been a few draws between uh, amongst both game, both teams. So maybe maybe it's a two all here. Uh, maybe Atlanta sneak a late equalizer. Who knows? I'm going with two all on that one. All right, let's quickly talk PSG. JJ, anything from there? Pochettino back. Uh, they're facing Montpellier. What, what's the latest with them? Well, it wasn't Pochettino doing the pre-match press conference. It was Jesus Perez. So that suggests that there won't be any Pochettino on the sidelines uh, on Friday. Montpellier will be without Andy Delort. Nine goals so far this season. Very, very underrated striker, actually. Somebody who I think, you know, has uh, his 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 history work against him. We saw him go to Mexico for a while. He came to England as well with Wigan Athletic, but has been a very good, consistent goal scorer in, uh, in France. Uh, he won't be there. So that's a bit of aggro. Uh, the PSG won't have to worry about. Leandro Paredes was disappointed because he was talking pre-match as well. He really loves the beef that uh, PSG have with, with Delort and Montpellier. But Montpellier on an awful run of form. PSG looking decent under Pochettino. Obviously, they have the, the silverware under their belts and they managed to, to dig out the win as well against Angers through a Levin Kazal volley uh, last weekend. So, you know, PSG at this moment in time, you know, looking quite stable, quite, uh, quite consistent. Uh, and then we'll just see what happens uh, with uh, with the the rest of the title contenders in uh, in France because you've got uh, Andre Villas Boas's Marseille falling to pieces at the moment, Lyon losing at home to Metz, uh, and uh, you know Monaco seeming to to go from strength to strength. So there is potential for for the title race to to change and uh, and, and shape up over the coming weeks. And PSG just need to make sure that they stay on top of the pile because at the moment they're slightly in the lead. Uh, Lille giving chase, but Lille don't look the same side uh, since the since the takeover happened. So, I expect PSG to win this one, but there's no uh, no other major news to report outside of Leandro Paredes declaring his desire to stay at PSG for the foreseeable future. He's been linked with Inter Milan. Well, I'm sure that Argentine connection remains strong right there uh, in PSG with his manager. All right, what about Spain, uh, Jimmy? We've got La Liga. Uh, Real Madrid, man, losing uh, in the cup. Interesting. They have Alaves. Elche faces Barcelona and Atleti against Valencia. But again, uh, we're talking before their game uh, against Ibar. How do you see Spain this weekend? Yeah, I mean, with all due respect to Barcelona, obviously a lot of narratives to get into there. And Atleti, can they continue to the, you know, 
have their march to winning La Liga this season. We have to talk about Real Madrid. They just got knocked out of the Copa del Rey by a third division team that had 10 men and a 41-year-old goalkeeper. It's just, it's embarrassing at a lot of different levels. And, and what I find interesting, I think I brought this up a long time ago, is that when Marcelo plays for Real Madrid, they're terrible. Like when he steps <laughs> on the field, it's just like he throws off their balance a ton they give up opportunities they shouldn't. He's not covering the same type of ground. I like Marcel. He should go down as one of the best left backs, well, on the attacking side for sure, that has ever played. But but right now, he is a huge liability for that club. And then you got Lucas Vasquez, who, again, he's just not an outside back. You can try to cram this striker's instincts into a right-back position. And sure, he's probably fine going forward. And, you know, he whips in a pretty good ball, things considered. But he just doesn't have any instincts of, like, angles and positioning. And it's... It's kind of it's embarrassing in some ways for Madrid that you have to roll out these guys that aren't good enough. So they have to respond in this. Zidane, for his own job, have to respond against Alaves this weekend. The funny part is that Alaves beat them in Madrid earlier this season, two to one. So they got a little confidence against these guys. That said, Madrid, like we saw in the Champions League, when their backs are against the wall, they do end up performing. I think they will again this week. I like Kareem Benzema to score and Real Madrid to win 1-0, 2-0, or 2-1. That's plus 450. I hit this bet with Cavani. Uh, on Wednesday, I said the same thing, but Cavani was going to score for United. Same score lines against Fulham, and that hit, so I'm pretty proud of myself. I think it's going to happen again here with Benzema and Madrid. They, they have to win this game. There's, they, they can't drop points to Alavis at this point in the season. Yeah, well, I called that Fulham-United game. I said Fulham will score first and United will win. So boom. You nailed it. You I did. love it. JJ, did you want to say something uh, on this uh, Real Madrid? I'm hearing rumors, by the way. Marcelo Gallardo maybe uh, approached uh, if something goes wrong with Zidane. I don't know how much that is, but that, I mean, that would be amazing. But JJ, how do you see Real Madrid right now after that loss? Oh, that would be very interesting. I've always had Gallardo pegged as someone who's going to come to France, given his playing history. So um, I've got my fingers crossed that some French team uh, takes the takes the risk and brings him over to Ligue 1 in the near future. No, what, what I wanted to get your thoughts on was there's an interesting piece at the moment up on CBS by our own uh, James Benj and Fabrizio Romano, where they're debating the possibility of Odegaard going to, to Arsenal. And I wanted to know where you stand sort of on the lack of playing time that Odegaard has, because... You know, he's a player who really, really blossomed uh, with Sociedad uh, on loan and then has been taken back to Madrid. And predictably, as, as was the fear, uh, you know, has, has not been given enough uh, game time and is now wanting out again uh, and, and looking for passages new. And it's, I find it a real shame. I mean, looking at what's happening, happened to Sociedad, you know, on paper, it looked like a great, uh, a, a great deal replacing Odegaard with uh, David Silva. It hasn't quite worked out in the way that they hoped it would. Uh, and Odegaard going back to, to Real Madrid hasn't worked out the second time round either. For me, I, I think he absolutely needs to play. Uh, I'm, I'm just surprised that considering their struggles, uh, that Real Madrid you know, won't give him you know, more time to, to potentially try and prove himself. It's, it seems crazy to me. But it's very Real Madrid. It's very Real Madrid to not give... You know what's weird about Martin Odegaard? Uh, and Jimmy, feel free to chime in. It's like, he's 22. <laughs> he's 22 years old, everybody. He's played for Norway more than 25 times. He's gone through there and back, you know, as you mentioned for uh, Real Sociedad, of course, uh, you know, and then all on loans to like Vitesse, et cetera. Like he's 22 years old. There's still so much to work with here. I would love to see him in the Premier League. I think you'll be so good. And I'm with you. I, I don't think Real Madrid has given him enough chances. He deserves much more. He's 22, everybody. Come on. We're not talking about like a 30-year-old. I don't, I don't know where he fits. When I look at the lineup <laughs> right now with Madrid, 
Oh, with Madrid, yeah. no. Like he should but, go. But Asensio, Eden Hazard, like they're looking for guys that slash a little bit, that run with the ball and like drive at the lines. Odegaard's just different. He's looking to combine. He's looking to maintain some possession. He's looking to break you down in a different way. And I think we could all agree that maybe Madrid do need a little bit of that in their team, but but they're just not willing to take that risk. And then you have guys like Rodrigo, Vinicius Jr., who are very similar to that, right? They're going to run. It's it's more uh, more of a flashy speed game. You know, it's more about pace than it is. And Odegaard's just different. He slows the game down in a different way. And that doesn't really match up with the rest of the Madrid players, for better or for worse. And so, yeah, he should move on. And Arsenal would be a good fit. That's the type of player that Arsenal tend to like historically. Uh, guys that know how to play and look to combine and try to work some magic around the top of the box to create stuff. So, I would be interested. I, I would be curious to see, you know, wh- where he would go and how he would fit in with Arsenal, but he does need to leave as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very good point though. And a really good piece. Well, well said there, JJ, absolutely on CBS sports. All right. Um, anything else? Here we go. As we wrap up, I thought we told you it was a busy weekend. Uh, always busy. Uh, let's begin with you, Jimmy. Any final thoughts as we look ahead to another busy, busy weekend? No, I, I'm, I'm excited about the U.S. women's national team. They're playing against Colombia one more time. They took care of them a little bit earlier in the week, 4-0. It's another good opportunity for us to, to look at some new players, get some new blood into the women's national team so we can win a third consecutive women's World Cup. Let's go. They're so good. Katarina Macario, man. She is a so good. baller. The real deal. Uh, the real deal. Uh, JJ, final thoughts from you, my friend. I think we we've covered all the the topics already. I'm uh, I've, I've definitely got my eye on that game uh, in La Liga, Atletico Madrid against uh, Valencia to see if Valencia can prove to be a, a thorn in their side. But uh, I think we've covered all the other major talking points for me this week. Absolutely. See, that's what we do here. We just cover it all, baby. We mm-hmm. cover it all. All right. Well, boys, thank you so much, Jimmy. Thank you, man. Thank you, JJ. Thanks, bud. Pleasure, pleasure as always. Looking forward to the next one. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod, and send us your questions anytime you want. We always want to hear from you. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And please, please, please leave a rating and review whenever you can. Have a great, great weekend. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.